everybody. Welcome to Viger, please, your, uh, your hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant, and we thank you once again for listening in to our dulcet tones. I'm Joseph. I'm Peter. Well, Peter, it's been another lovely week for us uh, on this on this Voyager journey. Uh, we faced down the barrel of a potential Chakotay episode this week, but I think we were we were greeted with essentially an episode where Chakotay didn't appear at all, and that that set the right tone for me. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a pleasant surprise. It was. I had no memory of this one at all. I really didn't. Uh, so I. I, I I saw from just the teaser about Chakotay being a, a main, a main component. force in it, and uh, that was he was a main component without having to actually act or uh, laying down any dialogue, which uh, best of both worlds. This is uh, episode twelve we're on now. Uh, what do you think? Does it feel like it's been longer than twelve episodes? Shorter? It's been longer. <laughs> That's... I, I have to say, I am pleased, though, that the last few we've done haven't been, like, total garbage. You know, like, I, I don't know wait, what wait, your wait, thoughts... The, the last couple Voyager episodes we watched haven't been total garbage, or that our podcast hasn't been total garbage? <laughs> well, both, yeah. if we're being honest. Uh, we, we you know, when we were in the depths of, of Tom Paris' masturbation fantasy hell, you know, and it barely started in the season and wondering what we got ourselves into. There was some dark times for us. Uh, I still fully believe that there's a lot of dark times ahead of us. I mean, we've barely started picking at this scab. But, I mean, episode 12, we should be able to to start formulating uh, our top 10 episodes at this point. I think I got to go back through and look at my uh, notes, and I think I'm going to put a a plus or a minus on the top of the page and say, you know, did I like it or did I not like and start trying to trim things down to my top 10 and, and rotating those out as new ones come down the pipe. You know, I, uh, I look forward to when we do our live cast to conclude the season and we're able to maybe take a, a big picture look at the, the first season and, and decide what worked and what didn't. But overall, while it's been rough going at times, uh, there's at least been some gems and most importantly, like plenty of mediocrity, which is better than having to wallow in shit all the time. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a bologna sandwich now and then, you know? I think the crew's uh, growing on me pretty quickly. There's been, even in the mediocre episodes, scenes where we get some characterization, like last week with Bolana, yeah, uh, in particular, uh, that... Like you said, there's there's quality there. So this isn't this isn't as bad as I feared, but it's bad enough to make it funny, and that's what's yeah. important to us. When I was looking over uh, my thoughts on this episode, uh, I wanted to say, oh, you know, this has been a first time in a while where we've just had the crew, you know, the core crew on the ship, no alien special guest stars, and you know, all basically ship shots. And then I started looking backwards, and they've had a fair number of, uh, you know standard crew only no uh, on planet locations and and voyager shots only yeah uh parallax uh time and again no not time and again what would the 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 cloud yeah the cloud was was all ship shots for the most part or special effect shots uh what else this one we just watched Mm -hmm. uh cathexis Definitely qualifies. Is that the pronunciation we're going with on this one? That's what I'm going with. Yeah. But it's good that they are staying away from doing too much in a way of alien stuff, because quite frankly, it's been shit almost every time, except for the Kazons. Yes, it's been literally shit heads. Or, you know, escalators in an L.A. Uh, uh, mall yeah. uh, to give critical expository dialogue. Yeah. But here we are, season one, episode twelve, Cathexis. Cathexis. That's that's what that's a pet name waiting to happen. What does Cathexis even mean? Uh, snarf, snarf's pubic hair. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, like much of this episode uh, doesn't necessarily make a lot of logical sense, but it sounds interesting. After that last episode we did uh, with the Vulcan ball sweat, I've decided I'm gonna. I'm going to be sitting out the next couple episodes on uh, groin jokes. All right, Cathexis, take her away. 
We start in another holodeck simulation, this time with Janeway, with what I presume is supposed to represent, like, her her version of Dixon Hill. You know, if you're a TNG aficionado, you know that that Picard's favorite, like, personal holodeck simulation where were uh, Maltese Falcon style, uh, de- ha- you know, detective stories in the persona of Dixon Hill. One of the, the very first holodeck episode was a Dixon Hill story. Well, we got the we got Janeway doing some personal time on the holodeck, and so her her uh, personal fantasy is apparently shitty Downton Abbey. Was that the vibe you got? Because I thought it was kind of leaning more towards Dark Shadows. <laughs> All right, fair. With the with the dramatic lightning and all that, uh, I, I can see that. So yeah, she's I don't know a governess or whatever the hell's going on. She shows yes. up and like this dude pops up behind her and she's like startled and I can't tell if she's just playing along with the program or if if Janeway's really a sucker for jump scares. You know, throughout this whole scene, all I could think to myself was that Kate Mulgrew was in her clearly. Prime. You can. Well, you know, she got famous doing Ryan's Hope, which was a very soap opera-y style show. So this is her home, this is home base for her, right? Yeah. It's this kind of shit. Yeah. So she is just, like, in it. She is in character. She is she is absolutely all about this persona and this world that she finds herself in. It's like you're watching this, like, am I still watching Star Trek or am I watching Kate Mulgrew's side project that mm-hmm. just got subbed into UPN's schedule on accident because you know, she's she's 100% in it. There's no sense of, of loss of character for her. And, uh, you know, she's, she's going through the motions of this very uh, boilerplate uh, drama of a of a English arist- uh, aristocracy governess of a widowed father and all of the tropes are are being laid out and great sets and costumes looks great yeah I'm so happy that they can do crappy old timey England but every fucking ship we've seen so far has looked like hot garbage and uh, matte painting alien vistas way to way to put that money in the right place Paramount. I was afraid when this came up. I was like, are they really going to do two holodeck episodes back to back? But I mean, the whole thing's basically a big waste of time cold open because her comm badge goes off and uh, Harry Kim's like, hey, look, uh, yet again, we've decided to send off our shuttlecraft. Why do you keep sending out shuttlecrafts to do your important work? Like, did they not learn anything from uh, the Tom Paris murder I don't. I don't even know the shithead adventures, Chronicles of Shitheadia. If whatever they're trading for is vital enough that they got to spend the time to do it, I mean, I get the idea in theory, perhaps that they have to use their auxiliary craft to go deal with side shit while Voyager is is dealing with you know whatever the big problem is. So I got to do multiple things at once. We're here by ourselves. So I'm going to send this shuttlecraft out with these crew members to go make a deal with these people. I'm going to send this one to go deal with these people. And we're going to deal with these people directly. Like if that was the setup that they're, they're trying to move several pieces on the, on the chessboard at once, I get it, but it doesn't seem to be the case. If all you're, no, if you're just heading towards the, you know, vaguely in the direction of the alpha quadrant, but you need whatever these guys over here got, we're going to have to wait for the damn uh, shuttlecraft to come back at like warp four or whatever the fuck its top speed is anyway. Yeah, so why not just go there yourself and deal with it rather than send a, a, a tin can with a tiny little warp engine attached to it that you're going to be fucking walk, looking at your watch, tapping your foot, waiting for no matter what you it's do. It's like Voyager's Batman and the shuttlecraft are like really stupid, incompetent Robins that just get victimized and drag Batman into some shit he wasn't really looking to deal with that day. You know, and I appreciate that eventually they use that as a story point, but it takes like four or five years for them to actually finally get there. So, uh, yeah, uh, Kim, he hits up the captain and is like, hey, uh, shuttlecraft's coming back. Everybody seems fucked up on here. Commander Chakotay's uh, unconscious and Mr. Tuvok is whatever. You ever notice that Tuvok is always Mr. Tuvok. They're never calling him Lieutenant Tuvok. Well, that's naval jargon. In the Navy, uh, it is an old tradition that if you are a lieutenant, you are referred to as Mr. I did not know and that. That's, 
as a general that's a as a gender neutral form of address as well so female officers uh that are lieutenants can and often referred to as mister which is the first indication that his rank insignia is wrong because they never call him commander they always either call him lieutenant or mister then they finally fixed that in this uh, in this episode hmm. so a little knowledge for you peter you learned something today there you go the more you know Another thing, while we're on the topic of the the choice of crew to be sent on this mission, it's Chakotay and Tuvok, the the second in command of the vessel, and and the next person in the chain of command. So it's now, in terms of the 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 hierarchy of the ship, because they're gone, Janeway, and then the acting first officer is Tom Paris again. And, and I'll get to uh, an important connection between these two guys here in a couple uh, in a couple segments, but um, they're not the get shit done committee. They're the two people are just so boring. You don't want them around. The, the shuttle gets in close and Janeway says, hey, beam these guys directly into sick bay. And immediately the doctor reports that, uh, you know. Tuvok's pretty banged up, but uh, Chakotay, for all intents and purposes, is brain dead. To that I said, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, what else is new? But has there been a change in his status? Like, <laughs> it's, but, uh, you know, Janeway comes in, she's still rocking that sort of lesbian chic hair style that they had her in last last episode. Yeah, we didn't talk Looking... about that. I like it. I think that uh, I love it. out of all of her hairstyles that this one looks the most starfleet captain while still being you know readily identifiable as a you know feminine i completely agree uh they they use the same style for uh seven of nine um you know here in a, in, a, in a few years i don't think they stick with this for very long with her because i don't recall her them using it much but it stands out because it just looks real good yeah uh that it just looks great on uh, Kate Mulgrew and and uh, like you said, just kind of gives her that uh, look of feminine authority. I would call it. Yeah. But uh, she comes in and she uh, has that great facial expression when she's told by the doctor, just as the credits roll, that Chicote is brain dead. Uh, so they come back after it and they start kind of painting the picture. Tuvox back up, and uh, while they were on whatever cockamamie mission that necessitated these guys flying away from the mothership in the. Uh, the USS, uh, uh, what is it? When something just serves no purpose other than to, to drag you into trouble. Plot device? No. MacGuffin? No. Son of a bitch. Not expendable. Uh, eh, whatever. Expedient? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, so Tuvok starts laying out on the scene that, you know, he and Chakotay had uh, flown away from the mothership on the USS Liability and there you go <laughs> you got there buddy i got believed in you i started over fresh so i we knew could cut you that could out. do it so so there they're on the yeah that's what's gonna happen we're gonna cut out your brain fart of yeah. course that's what i'm gonna do so uh you know they're they're cruising through some nebula in the uss liability when um some seedy urban youth vessel comes out from the shadows <laughs> it's got a bandana on uh-huh. You know, it's from the wrong side of the sure. tracks. Uh, jumps out, sucker punches them, and then uh, retreats back in. And uh, they both get assailed by some massive energy beam forces that uh, ends up soul-stealing Chakotay and fucking Tuvok up pretty good. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't two holodeck episodes in a row, but this is two consecutive episodes in a row where Chakotay and Tuvok clearly no longer have souls again. (laughs) Chakotay and Tuvok are once again being abused by the alien of the week. Between getting absorbed into the the holodeck and now being absorbed into a nebula, I I don't think Tuvok has any real shot at going to uh, a proper afterlife after this. This dude is definitely just a (laughs) walking zombie. Uh, We get a couple uh, key moments in the episode. One... Apparently, whatever the urban youth ship was that came out and assaulted them was from. The ship is is uh, apparently from a, a dark matter nebula, which is, you know, dark matter is a real scientific idea mm-hmm. that it exists. So 
you know, it's try, trying to pluck a little bit of real science out there to do something interesting with, albeit I, I can't imagine that any theories about dark matter uh, relate to this episode beyond that. Uh, and then two, they think it's a trap. So what do they do? Uh, what they do is they give us a, what as best I can tell, the first actual in-episode scene of uh, the warp nacelles locking into place and uh, beeline it right back for the um, the bad side of the train tracks nebula and uh, go poke around there. Because uh, maybe the USS liability with the bad luck committee of Tuvok and Chakotay, they, they need to start paying attention to their mistakes. I think there's going to be power pairs that we see throughout these episodes that you just you shouldn't put them back together because when they are in a room together alone, um, bad stuff's going to happen. And, and, and Tuvok and Chakotay are going to be the executive offers of, of executive officers of the bad luck committee. But yeah, they'd be lining right back. You know, they did not learn any lesson. Losing Tuvok or uh, Chakotay was not enough. Let's go risk some more lives. Yeah, let's head right into this obvious hazard zone with all of the marbles, with everything we've got. Because my first officer's already had his brain stole out of his fucking body and is now a husk laying in my sick bay, you know, possibly for, you know, uh, until we decide to pull the fucking plug on him. So uh, let's go ahead and run our whole ship into this danger and maybe all get our brains eaten by whatever's in there. It seems like a fucking fantastic idea. He's not just brain dead and dead. Like they're they're very clear that his and the doctor will actually say, you know, soul slash consciousness has left from his body and that you know, he's not dead, it's just something done stolen. So they they head to the wrong side of the tracks, but before they, they get very far, they have a little problem with the navigation. Uh, suddenly they've changed course and Tom can't quite explain how it is they've done so. And of course, uh, it's a tidbit that comes into play here in a little bit, but uh, they start to investigate why it is suddenly course change happened, even though Tom claims he didn't do it. Because the next shot after that is yours and my favorite trope of Voyager, and that is more stereotypical Indian shit vis-a-vis Chakotay. But this time, it's Balana who's doing the the cult activity on behalf of Chakotay. Yes. Now, we, we've we explored earlier that Chakotay tried to recruit her, and Taurus tried to run interference when the captain was about to meet her spirit animal. And right. I thought maybe, you know, Taurus survived her encounter with the Chakotay cult uh, intact, but very clearly she has been compromised. She is familiar with the... Uh, the rituals and the Milton Bradley spirit adventure board game <laughs> that she's erected over uh, Chakotay in sick bay. She, she's really into whatever this whole spirit wheel stuff is. She, uh, she lays out in, in depth an understanding of what Chakotay explained uh, the cult uh, uh, beliefs are on this. Yeah, she she really absorbed it. So let's describe this board. It's like a stiff rug hanging from some unseen device, and she's got a bunch of uh, what look like Asian hot rock massage smooth stones. (laughs) Yes. That have something magnetic in them. And then on the Milton Bradley board game rug, there are washers that you can very see that that, that they're they're like quarter-inch washers uh, drilled into this rug with uh, Phillips screws, and uh, that's what the magnetic rocks are sticking to. It's like, I don't know, kind of like a big, weird, ugly Oregon Trail Luigi board almost. That, that's a very good explanation. That is, a, that is exactly what it looks like. It is a Ouija board by way of Oregon Trail. Now, on the off chance that any of this stuff is like legit, real Native American heritage artifact whatever stuff uh and you're into that uh i'm sorry if our likening to uh, oregon trail luigi board has uh, offended you uh, i assume at this point moving forward that anything and everything regarding uh, chakotay's faith is fraudulent because uh you know the guy arranging all of the stuff is fraudulent what was his name I- 
I, I forget the guy's name. You know, we, we hashed it out, you know, weeks ago. I think we did our third or fourth episode where the cultural advisor for all the, uh, the American Indian, uh, spirituality stuff was himself a fraud, which is why of course we're, we're so critical of this stuff. And result is it's Taurus playing her hand on this, that, you know, she clearly got some cult indoctrinations. I would say she's got some hesitation when she's kind of having to explain herself to, uh, the EMH, um, who of course one ups her. That that's a that's a character flaw. I think we're gonna see out of the EMH for a while. This dude is like Mister One Up. Oh, <laughs> I see <laughs> you've got. got I see you've got an Oregon Trail uh, Ouija board out, but you have these pieces in the wrong place, and you're actually condemning Chakotay's soul to. I don't know. Was it like the three boob plane of the horse swimming <laughs> or something. Yeah, it was apparently whatever whatever uh, sexy time is on the board is where he is he he was being sent. But hey, you know, I just can't take any of the the stuff seriously. But uh, again, the the takeaway out of this conversation for me was that the EMH acknowledges uh, the soul and consciousness, which ties back into our previous transporter conversations and uh, holodeck adventures and all that other stuff so i think we've uh, set a precedent that at least as far as voyage is concerned humans do have souls speaking of souls Kess feels a soul a presence with her super saiyan powers she's meditating in her her hyperbaric uh training simulation with 40x gravity so she can master kaoken times 10 yeah. and sure enough she starts to feel a presence. Not only does she feel the presence, but we know we, as the audience know, there's a presence because the camera starts doing this ghosty blurry cam shake around, float around the scene. I don't know, fly by in her quarters. And, uh, this alien presence will continue to make its appearances throughout the rest of the episode with equally silly photography tricks. Yeah. It was like a, just like a filter. And like a fisheye, I guess, on the lens was that they did for the effect. Like, ooh, there's something weird. You know, Kess, because she has psychic powers, is feeling it. And she tells Snarf Snarf, who's, you know, jealous that she felt a presence. Is otherwise believing her, I suppose, that there's something weird going on. And that's uh, dovetailed by the revelation that there's been more problems with navigating the ship that it's that it keeps changing course and all the fingers keep getting pointed back at tom paris as who's responsible for doing this and no one brings up like tom are you changing course because you want chakotay to stay brain dead like i mean i know you guys didn't get along but is, is that what's happening like no one actually brings that up as a motivation what an excellent scapegoat uh episode after episode we see tom just being <laughs> on the receiving end of every sort of scandal or fiasco. Well, you get what you deserve when you, you know, when you promote your sex criminal to, you know, steer the ship and be in your chain of command, you get what you fucking deserve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They hired the Harvey Weinstein of the Delta Quadrant. You get the bad press that comes with it. I can't tell if it's an advantageous position or a bad one for uh, Paris because he doesn't, really seem to care about his his con- convict uh status and you know the more false events that get laid at his feet i think the you know the time he does get around to to being a bad guy and really doing something terrible like breaking into a crewmate's quarters and standing over their bed and dragging them off to a sex dungeon like <laughs> come on man how many times have i had like some some bullshit someone tried to pin on me Come on, Captain. You know me. I I wouldn't possibly do this. It's I'm sure it's some sort of alien interference again. Oh, Tom, I guess you're right. Psych. Someone messed with the console. Wasn't me. Someone may have sexually assaulted Harry Kim at night. Possible suspect. <laughs> but what what are we talking about here? We're talking about the Helm Control. Right. So, uh, Helm rerouted course away from the Nebula, the 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 dark side Nebula. They transferred helm control up to uh, Harry Kim station, and then all of a sudden, ship uh, corrects again uh, from, I don't know, some engineering post. When Paris gets up there, 
captain's asking Bolana down in engineering, hey, what's going on? How'd this happen? Are you screwing around down there? And she said, no, the only person I saw in that area was Tom. So that's two fingers getting pointed at Paris now. You know, there's a there's a pretty good exchange between Janeway, Tuvok, and Paris about what's going on here. And Janeway says, you know, I don't think we're dealing with um, uh, I don't think we're dealing with uh, mutiny at this point. But clearly, you know, you are not out of the woods, and there might be other factors affecting you. Which I thought was cool that there is some there's some introspection here, and and they do learn that hey, from time to time, people are out of control or, or under the influence of something else. And even though uh, we believe the best intentions of our crew members, uh, you know, you got to be careful with this stuff and off to sick bay, you're going to go for some scans. Well, I think that this is a stronger Janeway episode overall. And with the stronger Janeway episode comes the, the more command presence and putting stuff together. So she kind of gives the Tom that sort of like side eye, like, Come on, dude. What the fuck are you up to? Like, he doesn't, like, accuse him mm-hmm. of it. But, like, are you sure, like, you didn't maybe... That, that there's something that you can't remember. Uh, but he's steadfast. Tom's, like, 100%. Like, I really not fucking with any of this. I swear to God. And they take him down not they. to, uh, to sick. We got a new character who is coming to replace uh, the Joe Carey and the Seska. Yeah. Lieutenant Fred Durst. Yes! Oh, God, Durst. What a terrible name to be cursed with in the Why 90s. Why would you do that? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know damn well what people are going to see. Like, when this guy steps up to, you know, escort uh, Paris uh, to sickbay, he might as well have just been like, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> oh, man, what an artifact of its time. Fred Durst. Yeah. I can't tell if uh, Durst is engineering or security. Uh, well, you know, he's uh, wearing the gold uniform, so it could be one of the either, I th- one of the other, rather. I think it's more operations, kind of like Data's role, which which is more on the engineering side, as far as I can tell. I, I, it would seem to me his natural role would be more what Harry Kim's in charge of. It seems to me he should they... have a fucking burgundy uniform on, because uh, if there's one thing I can smell, it's a red shirt, and I would be willing to put some... Uh, gold press latinum on the line it was saying that i don't think durst is going to survive the the season well they give the guy quite a bit of uh in terms of lines and this i mean it was surprising it just start, it started to really stick out to me how often they had this guy talk especially near the end they just have this guy in shot with like the main cast two things happen either durst is getting set up for a big fall or durst the the, the guy portraying him won some sort of like uh cheerios uh <laughs> some sort of cheerios contest to appear in an episode of star trek voyager maybe it was maybe it was his birthday maybe he's like the key grip and they're like hey let's let's let larry <laughs> onto the set and put him in a gold uniform and give him some lines you know he's going through some tough times his wife Ooh. left him you know we'll have we'll give him all the filler dialogue his hair's thinning but you know what he'll be a good everyman for us to start promoting in here but let's let let's name him after that really obnoxious uh, new metal singer though, just just so that he doesn't get yeah, too big a head. This guy, that's the guy that's always listening to Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Can we call him uh, Lieutenant Biscuit? <laughs> no, all right. Well, let's just go with Durst. <laughs> oh man, there's gonna be people who listen to this and are gonna be like, "What's Limp Biscuit? What's Fred Durst?" And I say to all of you that are in the sound of my voice, do everything in your power to avoid that knowledge. Do not go to Google. Do not go to YouTube. It may knowledge your brain. You may want to know why. But you exist in a world without these things now. And and that's a sacrifice your elders made on your behalf. Don't make like our sacrifice in vain. Do not Google that. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. He could have been like uh, Lieutenant Smashmouth or something. Oh, or, or Lieutenant Jer- Jamiroquai would be the real. I like Jamiroquai. You are a terrible person. And that make terrible choices. That's what you are. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, off they go to sick bay, and uh, my next favorite technology revelation we get a taste of here is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's the EMH, and he's uh, made a startling discovery yes. that they have memory engrams on file for Paris. I don't know how far back this goes, but we've got some sort of Federation 
mind reading thought police records <laughs> i don't know but they got they got memory engrams of paris and at two key moments his memory engrams radically shift from what would be expected to something uh something alien something foreign it's worth po- it's worth pointing out that before this happens there's suddenly a power shutdown in engineering and torres shut the warp core down but she doesn't remember doing it and then after that they check the both of them out and they find this information so torres also gets affected by whatever this you know a phagious sort of episode is in which you just suddenly do things but don't remember doing it and, and every time it happens it's to prevent the ship from going to the other side of the tracks you know to, to that's what it that's happening every time they play the music and it's like the startling revelation but instead of being focused on the fact that you know you've got federation crew getting possessed while on duty and key you know parts of the ship i'm, I'm struck again i jump back to uh was it parallax with seska was that seska burn queen parallax no, 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 no. That was state of flux. State of flux. You got two people. You got all the ship's attention on as saboteurs and and traitors. You don't have fucking security cameras to watch these people, but you've got memory engrams. Like you're you're actively recording <laughs> everybody's fucking brainwaves. <laughs> like it what? really feels like the 26th century might have like forgotten some key technologies. Like in between their miraculous ability to create matter from energy and to apparently read minds with computers and create sentient people with computers. Uh, they forgot that maybe they should just, you know, throw some eyes in the sky up there so they can keep an eye on what the fuck is going on in the critical parts of... Not to mention the door locks, which still haven't seemed to make an appearance in Star Trek Voyager yet. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, so you've got uh, the startling revelation that... Uh, Maybe there is an alien presence that accompanied them back from the the dark nebula, and you might have a rogue alien running around on the ship. And I thought that was a pretty cool spine tingler there. Uh, I think invisible threats are pretty cool. And, you know, the idea that just because you can't see a problem doesn't mean it's it's not there. What What movie was it where there was a stow maybe it was predator like where they just noticed a a radical weight shift in a cargo area and they knew that they had a stowaway even though they you know everything looked fine in there i'm gonna admit a dark revelation to you peter something that will will scar my reputation as a nerd and my personal regard i'm sure that you hold for me i've never watched predator never i've I've watched predator too i've watched predators i've watched wow i watched alien versus predator what i've never watched the original arnold schwarzenegger predator well first of all i think i'm wrong that it was predator one where this weight pressure plate thing happens how do you watch fucking predators but you haven't seen predator i once sat down specifically to alleviate this i it was on TV. It just started. I'm like, I'm going to watch this. You know, I watched the first 15 minutes before the actual Predator shows up. And I don't know what happened, but I had to turn it off and go do something. And that was, that was like my moment to finally, to, to make up for this, this gap in my nerd knowledge. I'm going to tell you what, if it was on TV, you're better off not watching it because they're going to cut all the good stuff out anyways. But uh, Predator, awesome movie get back to it but so anyways yeah you know you've got this phantom menace that is a potentially infiltrated ship not only is it invisible but apparently has the ability to possess crew members against their uh against their will and uh fuck with some very key systems and that's got to be terrifying another great example of the horrors of space like it's been pretty benevolent things so far with course corrections and you know, engine shutdowns, but what happens when it's, you know, decompressing uh, cabins into space or, you know, transporting the captain into the vacuum of space? I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of problems that you could have go down and uh, Janeway starts. You know, it's it's real talk time. She empowers the doctor. 
uh, as the one thing on the ship that has the ability to make choices uh, that is obviously immune to a, a biological being possessing, you know, the people on the ship that can't affect him. So he, she gives the command codes to the doctor to say, you're a failsafe. If one of us starts acting fucking crazy, you can basically lock us out of the system and prevent us from continuing to do whatever we're trying to do. Ties back to something we started talking about last week. And that is the ultimate authority of the chief medical officer, which she does specifically call, you know, Schweitzer or, or the EMH, whatever you want to call him, chief medical officer, despite his formal rank within Starfleet. Um, but, you know, he's, again, shown to be an, a, a higher authority with uh, some real clout in an emergency situation. And I think that is absolutely the right call to make there. I, I got a criticism, one of the reoccurring themes that we see with uh, Starfleet security. So you got to verify your identity to the computer when you do big administrative actions like hand over these codes. And it's always like, you know, authorization, Janeway, Alpha 2, 3, Romeo, whatever. Right, right, right. I don't know, man. Verbally saying what your password is in a room full of people doesn't seem like, a, you know, best for security practices. Uh, it's always kind of... But it seems so cool whenever it's, like... Man, I'll always remember that Star Trek three like, where they're entering in the, the self-destruct codes to the Enterprise, like, zero, zero, one, destruct, you know, with a look on Kirk's face. It's so dramatic. I don't know, man. If, uh... <laughs> If my captain was to like look at me like, you know, uh, lock out all, you know, non-bridge related consoles, uh, authorization, Janeway, password, uh, banana splits Fridays. <laughs> Keep that shit in mind when you want to go surf porn on the 60 times 69, 69. You know, they, they hand over the codes to um, EMH, smart move there, and then they move out into the hallway where they start walking down having some real talk uh and this is what it's like tuvok janeway and then Cass rolls up yeah it's just Jane, it's tuvok and janeway talking about it and and Cass rolls up and says i've heard about the alien that's possessing people and immediately how yes how <laughs> everyone how <laughs> bitch you you pointed eared bitch you're using those big crusty ears to like lean against the wall and eavesdrop like we just literally had this conversation i just found out about it nobody else in the ship knows don't come in here saying uh i heard it around the mess hall i heard it through the grapevine we've got a telepathic uh alien uh poltergeist that's seizing people and and you know I, i'd have grabbed her ass by the throat and picked her up and be like who are you where are you from it's it's a plot hole the size of the fucking Holland Tunnel. How the fuck does this episode go to print with this se with the sequence? Like, there's no way that Cass can possibly know that information. No one except the two people who are talking about it know that information. No one knows. Is she like sitting under the table? Like they 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 called for an intruder alert, but they didn't specify what or how. I mean, it's oh god! Everyone I was watching the episode with immediately was just like, "What? Who? How the fuck does this bitch know? How does she fucking know this?" But whatever, she says she knows, and she goes off with Tuvok to talk about uh, doing a mind meld to use her psychic powers to fucking find the thing. And next shot we get is both Tuvok and Kess unconscious in the turbo lift. And there's some suspicious bruising on Kess's neck that we see. Which, how that wasn't immediately identifiable as a fucking nerve pinch. Like, yeah, that. So, spoiler alert. Come on. Tuvok attacked Kess. Like, nerve <laughs> pinch. Then... That, that's, that thing that you immediately thought of, it's true. And unfortunately, this episode takes like 10 more minutes to like build this false tension about, oh, what happened to Kess? What could have possibly happened? That thing that was like immediately obvious to everyone who saw it, like that she's got this bruising right where she would be neck pinched next to a Vulcan who knows how to neck pinch. Yes, yeah. that's it. That's the, that's the fucking mystery Here's solved. Right Here's there. your options of what happened in this scene. Uh, either James Bond was waiting in the uh, turbo lift 
and then in the style of Goldeneye, karate chopped her ass right on the neck. <laughs> uh, she got ambushed by a hickey vampire. <laughs> or the Vulcan who went into the turbo lift with her pinched her ass and then somehow knocked himself out. This, I'll tell you, Tuvok's got a really good track record for getting knocked the fuck out. Like, he, well, he, I think, is on a quest to dethrone Worf as the security officer to get his ass kicked the most. Well, you know, I, I will defend the ass kickings that Worf gets to the end of time because when you're the security officer and you want to demonstrate a threat, you have to basically fail at being a security officer or it's not a threat, right? So Worf gets his ass kicked all the time because whatever they're facing has to be better than Worf or it's not a threat. Likewise, whatever they're facing has to be better than Tuvok or it's not a threat. I, it's a difficult position in terms of establishing credibility with your, your security officers because if they are good at their jobs, then the episode is over. <laughs> I get that. Like, I, I, I get that Tuvok has to suck sometimes, just like Worf did. However, uh, they haul Kess and Tuvok to sickbay. Kess is out, out, out the game now. She's done for the episode. She's knocked out. But Tuvok's okay again. Whatever. You, the, is the doctor still around at this point? He is. All right, I got, uh, I got big plot hole number two. You've got your Kess performing the function of a Mary Sue who could zap this thing right in the ass where it stands right she got vulcan nerve pinch and she is out of commission the rest of this episode you're telling me that the emh who not more than three episodes ago brought someone back from the death of brain cancer can't wake Kess up with some smelling salts you know our whole look at medical science in this show is going to be running up against this problem a lot because that that episode broke common sense when it came to medical technology in this fictional universe. I, I'm going to go ahead and propose that for the, I don't know, until we've got a really sick burn joke lined up. Like, we don't even fucking bother mentioning Federation necromancy anymore, but just because it's so absurd that they even brought that on the fucking table. But Federation necromancy aside, she got knocked out. We're not talking about someone who just went through, you know, some transporter accident or breathed a bunch of bad chemicals or fell down a fucking chasm. Like she just got Vulcan nerve pinch. People shrug that shit off within 20 minutes all the time. Silly to believe that they can't wake her up. Whatever. Maybe space elves have a real, I don't know, sensitive neck area, or maybe it really was James Bond and he just clobbered the shit out of her. There's a, a little confab between the senior staff trying to figure out what's going on. And everyone's getting a little dicey. Everyone's getting a little paranoid. Uh, Tuvok is quick on the draw with his phaser against Kim for spacing out for a second while they contemplate using a shipwide scan of a special Technobabble scan that might reveal the entities that they're running up against. I don't know where the hell that quick draw was last week when someone, or two weeks ago, when someone was getting murdered in sickbay right in front of him and he didn't do fucking anything. Or, you know, traders are about to teleport off the ship, but uh, clearly he learned his lesson. He's been practicing in the mirror like Raging Bull pulling that uh, that uh, Viper phaser out. Um, that was cool, though, that, you know, they're, they're going over, we don't know, you know, really fleshing out the real danger of this possession alien that's running amok on the ship. Uh, and someone notices that Harry's just completely out of it, and for all intents and purposes, seems like someone who's possessed and just eavesdropping on a conversation. So yeah, we've got Tuvok uh, pulling his phaser out and Torres getting the tricorder on him. I was right there with him, and uh, Janeway kind of scolds people that you know she doesn't like the paranoia, but it's like, I don't know, man, this seems like exactly the kind of attitude you have to take when you're in a high-level meeting talking about how to address the threat. It's definitely an interesting idea. I just think it got developed way too late in this episode, the whole paranoia thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's halfway over before they actually introduce the premise uh, that, you know, anyone can be taken over at any time. That They're deep into the episode now, even further. And so they just never felt like they had enough time to develop it in a way that that really made sense because like with most episodes of where we watched and we were watching, we were talking about this before we started rolling the, rolling the tape on this episode. 
the the end of this episode is very rushed and everything kind of happens very quickly and it wraps uh, we get the tense standoff in the conference room and immediately after that Tuvok goes back down to sickbay after some bullshit snarf snarf doctor scene that sucked and uh that's where the doctor says, actually, I think Kess might have gotten, you know, some a nerve area basically pinched or or, or something <laughs> like that, you know, and and Tuvok's like, oh, really? And then it just cuts from there uh, back into Janeway's ready room where she starts to put together that there's something wrong with Tuvok, perhaps because suddenly the doctor's offline but he's actually reporting the information, but in a cagey way. And it tries to start building this paranoia vibe. It's just doing it too late. They, uh, that scene specifically in her ready room, something happened where they're like running on half power at this point, isn't it? Well, they have this, the warp core got turned off. That's right. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they're so in like this deal with that. Yeah. I thought they had some really cool uh, lighting in this episode. A lot of nice shadow play and dark lit scenes that looked cool. Um, and I, I disagree. I think they do start building the paranoia pretty good. They come out the uh, the ready room and we get uh, an amazing fight scene. Uh, as essentially the entire... You're not saying that sarcastic. I am not. Like, this is some top-notch Trek fighting that happens here. Yeah. Because I was really impressed. Like, and there's a lot of moving pieces in this thing. This this was really cool. If uh, if for no other reason to watch this scene or this uh, this episode, it's this scene. So the 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 concept here is that it isn't the traditional he's he's taken over. No, he's taken over. It it all happens basically at once, and the entire bridge crew starts fighting each other. As who's getting possessed by the entity seems to shift. At one point. Uh, Janeway gets hit by it, tries to shoot Tuvok at one point. Paris is, is, is like backhand punching and shooting somebody else that looks like they got possessed. And one by one, the entire bridge crew is basically in this intricate... Fred Durst is in there throwing down. It's pretty well shot and interesting and quick. And it... it Punches, kicks, snap kicks close quarter uh, phaser combat and it ends with Tuvok like turning on his phaser on a wide dispersal and stunning everyone in the room that was the coolest shit because I've read all the technical manuals and I know that the phasers could do it and you've never ever seen a phaser go wide dispersal until this point and it is badass he just drops everybody in one wave very gangster very cool so, yeah, it, it comes out of nowhere, too. It's just all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And the fight's over after Tuvok basically clears it. And everyone kind of wakes back up in sickbay, uh, trying to, uh, to to deal with their their stun gun hangover. Stun, the stun gun hangover, I like that. I, I would say that uh, Tuvok was obviously the MVP and that he stunned everybody with uh, his service nine. But Tom Paris represented hard in that fight scene. He was, he was shooting dudes. He was like doing some karate. Like he, he was, he was demonstrating value. Uh, well, you know, you learn how to fight in prison apparently. Yeah. You know, that's right. If he had busted on the prison shank, that would have been some top notch continuity, but unfortunately not. <laughs> he's got a prison. He's got a keister shank hidden in there. Uh, so let's let's dive into some you know things not to do when you have a rogue poltergeist possessing people on your ship causing problems. I'm gonna put at the top of the list like if I'm Janeway doing the after action report, like where did I go wrong? What should I not do again? Uh, if you have a essentially a precursor to a murder mystery, I don't think that arming everybody with a phaser is the right way to handle the threat because now you've given the alien unlimited people with unlimited guns to cause absolute hell to go down. I think you're better off saying lock all the guns up and that way we can just swarm the one dude who's acting goofy instead of giving the dude who's acting goofy a gun to shoot us over and over again. He's uh, That would make sense if anyone but Tuvok and Paris effectively used their their service nines in this episode because that's something I wanted to bring up later. But 
Tuvok at this point has clearly become the most likely culprit for doing essentially all of the bad things that we've seen in this episode. And a quick recap on that, you know, you've got someone pinning shit on, uh, seemingly pinning stuff on uh, Paris, including, you know, Tuvok saying, well, hey, I found your DNA all over. (laughs) Did you catch that too when uh, Tuvok's like, by the way, we know it was you down in Astrometrics rerouting power because I found your DNA all over the council. Like the the B plot of this episode should be Tom Paris needs to start using soap and washing his hands with warm water. <laughs> that or apparently Tuvok found his his secret masturbation bin. Or <laughs> he goes to rub one off while he's on, on duty. He's framing Paris and he took a sock out of uh, <laughs> off the floor. It's like a stiff sock and he turned it upside down and like inside out just wiped it on one of the panels so uh yeah basically two box steps forward as the most likely um culprit uh, culprit of of who has been causing these problems and this is where i think the episode did a real clever job and and kind of impressed me with its writing yeah the 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 twist is not that tuvok is essentially been possessed by a bad guy it's that he's been possessed by the bad guy all along. And the person that's been possessing everyone else has actually been Chakotay. And he has been doing it to get them to not go into the nebula they are now in. So they get their brains stolen. So very clever. Uh, you knew Tuvok, the stuff with Tuvok was going to come into play, or rather the stuff with Chakotay would probably come into play eventually. Uh, but they, they, they hit it. They hit it in a way that once the reveal comes down, and they do it through Janeway putting it together, which I always appreciate, science officer, putting the shit together. However, they're in a bad spot because Tuvok got his his gat out on everybody, and even though everyone else is armed, nobody pulled a gun on him, and is trying to get the ship into... They learned their lesson after the last time he went full dispersed on their ass, because he's got everybody like grouped real nice and tight, and everybody has already been zapped, so they know what's up. And of course, this guy is trying not to kill him because you know doesn't want to doesn't want to spoil the meal he's about to give to his people of tasty Federation brains, and they go through the the climax of the episode in that Janeway basically does a slow motion duck to her console. So bad. How did he <laughs> not shoot her ass? It's it, like it, they might as well have like dubbed that uh, that. No, 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 no. From Six Million Dollar Man, where like he would jump off the stairs in like super slow motion. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And she dives under the fucking railing and like. She doesn't dive. And pecks on. She's just, she just kind of leans. <laughs> like it's not dramatic at all. She just. She goes to that center console that flips up between the, the captain and the exo. And then she like hunts and pecks on the keyboard for like the execution code to flash the MacGuffin strobe light. And the MacGuffin strobe light, when it hits, exiles the alien from, from Tuvok. And they're able Who to. Who gets get... knocked the fuck out yet again. <laughs> third brain injury of the episode uh-huh. and uh, uh chakotay sends a message through snarf snarf onto his uh, oregon trail uh indian spirit map of how the ship can get out and tom drives the ship out and and they're they get a nice exterior effect shot as they exit the nebula it's actually pretty cool looking and don't you dare don't you dare sweep this under the carpeting we're we're going back rewind this thing back Tuvok gets zapped with the strobe light and floats out to whatever and now they're stuck in this nebula of dangerous radiation they have to escape before the rest of these astral projection psychic vampires descend upon the Voyager and eat everybody's spirit essence or whatever yeah Chakotay possesses uh, Neelix, who's fucking around. Oh yeah, he's he's watching over Kess in sick bay. He possesses Neelix to go play on his magnetic rock map, and then Neelix calls the captain and says, "Hey, I think I just got possessed." And then my jaw hits the fucking floor because what does Janeway do? 
Joe. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I forgot. She tells the computer yes. to turn on the fucking security camera. <laughs> the fucking Peter. security camera in Peter. sick bay. You're gonna you're gonna have an episode. You're gonna have a stroke, dude. You gotta breathe with me, pal. They breathe have security me. cameras on Voyager. They, they have them. They don't. They point just, it they... right at the Ouija board. You've got Seska, a fucking traitorous, treasonous, whatever. Who you're you're running these silly games of life and death to try and see if you know it's her or Joe Carey that that is the culprit. <laughs> There's cameras in sick bay. What the fuck? I was trying you got to memory on grams. Use the camera on the bridge and rewind it and see, <laughs> was that really Paris who fucked with the console? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> All this time, I mean, I was trying to avoid this to preserve your sanity. No. Once I saw this, I looked to my wife and I asked, hey, have you listened to the, the, the most recent episode that we've done yet she said no i haven't listened to it yet and she said well when you do you're gonna find out that peter's gonna have a fucking stroke as soon as he sees this scene because how how is it that you 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 have obvious security cameras in this world now when yeah. it could have solved every fucking problem they had for the yeah. last like two episodes if they had bothered to ever, to ever establish this who needs teleporters and holodecks and all the other fantastic technologies you've got fucking like tech from the 1980s that could like fix at least half of these Voyager plots we've encountered so far um, and that's not all I mean that they, they really won to you with fucking terrible moves here so they turn on this camera that everybody forgot existed in fucking sick bay up to this point and they zoom it in on uh oregon trail luigi board and uh then janeway's like oh hey here's some rocks magnetically stuck to a rug overlay a map of the sector we're in or the the nebula we're in and the computer puts this overlay up over it and positions it just right you know God only knows if it's like relative positioning or what true north is, whatever. The the, the right, computer right, right. slaps a map over it and they're like, oh, hey, look, these uh, magnetic uh, Chinese uh, stone massage rocks, they look like uh, these uh, planetoids. And oh, Chakotay, uh, the astral projection of Chakotay has just mapped our escape route. Let's fly the ship out and get out of here. No big deal. Okay, so Chakotay is floating around in the astral plane. He is possessing people like, you know, Swayze and Ghost. He has... No pottery, though. I mean, let's... He's, he's no, 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 no. Pottery's far too simple. Up to this point, you have entered in complex course corrections. You have rerouted helm control uh, from master systems. You have uh, not only reset the master computer and put the warp core into a... Uh, some sort of a maintenance mode, but then ultimately ejected the fucking warp core. That's how Janeway knows that it's Chakotay that's the possessing alien, is that Torres doesn't, as chief engineer for some reason, doesn't have the authority to jettison a warp core, that it would have had to be her or Chakotay, and that she's like, oh, it's Chakotay that's floating around, which was a, a strong you know thing. But ejects the fucking warp core, which I'm sure is pretty complicated. You've got super complex shit Chakotay's pulling off here, you're telling me he couldn't have like fucking grabbed a pencil and written a note and said, hey, by the way, uh, Poltergeist alien is Chakotay. Tuvok is compromised. Stay away from uh, Nebula, <laughs> space vampires, danger. Like <laughs> all of the other shit he does is like, 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 you know, master or doctoral level engineering feats he's pulling off here. But he can't just shoot off a fucking IM. Like he can't text message <laughs> BT dub. This is Chakotay. Yeah. Tuvok equal sign evil. Sad face emoji. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, you don't need Kess to, to psychically bridge <laughs> out and fucking talk to this guy. You need AOL instant messenger. Like, so yeah, between the miraculous discovery of a security camera in the in, uh, in sick bay and Chakotay's unwillingness to just fire off an email. Excuse me. <laughs> it's my insides fucking 
dissolving as I, I go insane here. That's what I was trying to prevent from happening, Peter. I knew this shit was going to make If you wanted suffer. to prevent it, you wouldn't be making us watch this stuff. Like, it's such a good episode. <laughs> and then just this, this, I don't know, this avalanche yeah. of poop. Well, okay, so the, ra- the episode wraps. Uh, the doctor works a little little you know space magician medical magic and reintegrates chakotay's spirit into his body oh you know? like, the third what, part what? okay you have pulled <laughs> you, you were able to pull chakotay out of astrally projecting in space and put him back in his body but you couldn't wake kess up from a vulcan nerve pinch what <laughs> what so and even like passive aggressively bitches about how amazing he just what he just pulled off was but there'll be no one to appreciate his genius and then he just kind of fucks off well you know what you know what doctor you kind of set the bar a little too high when you tipped your hand that you can bring people back from the dead excuse me that you know putting chakotay's mind back in his body just isn't enough to get a rise out of the rest of us anymore so blah blah episode ends so i agree with you that this episode was actually started out interesting. It just was paced very poorly. It didn't explore the whole paranoia aspect with much depth until it was too late. And then it just, after they have this great revelation that Tuvok is the bad guy and the thing they've been worried about is actually Chakotay trying to help them, not hurt them, they just kind of end the episode. They just cheat they just like they, they put in the konami code real quick for you know writing loopholes and get to the end they just didn't care about uh fuck it there's a there's a camera down there uh fuck it there's uh you know there we just put a spirit back in his body because science mm-hmm. you know, for like, whatever reason the space vampire phantoms like don't pursue voyager even though they basically got it on the ropes like warp core is gone they can't they're like they're flying out of there in thrusters i don't understand why the aliens just call off their attack and let them get away scot-free if while the uss liability was flying through the um the you know the wrong side of the tracks nebula like if chakotay got like legit jumped and knocked out like they got the jump on him they won like why wasn't he devoured how did he stick with the shuttle and like escape they don't explain how it is that tuvok wasn't like brain food that was the whole point this alien was trying to bring him in there to eat them <laughs> there was nothing there but but some they 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 nailed chakotay and they got his spirit out of his body but they didn't need they weren't it. banking like, on him being uh, such a spiritual badass uh native warrior i want to point out another thing here uh you know we keep ragging on chakotay for always pulling out his uh his best work when he's in the process of crossing through a threshold right we've talked about that is correct Yes. This is like a whole episode of that because he's doing his best work we've seen so far in this threshold, this not quite alive, not quite dead, just this transitory state, which I think is totally uh, not intended, but uh, strong supporting evidence for his uh, predilection for hanging out in doorways, dropping the hotness. It is kind of like a metaphorical sort of take on that trope that we have decided exists and and strangely and perfectly timed at that uh i'm just i i I have mixed feelings about this one it was a really interesting idea and it was executed poorly and i will always take that over like boring because it wasn't boring no i was in i was i was 100 percent like engaged in this episode so certainly better than than your uh your time and agains for example um but i really like the episode it just uh you know i think for us it's a perfect uh it's a you know perfect episode i didn't see the chakotay twist come in there at all i thought that it was going to be a legit body jumping villain um tuvok uh being the the manchurian candidate though i guess not manchurian but you know tuvok being the the traitor the whole time was a real good twist you know we got to see a wide dispersal phaser shot which how cool was that and uh you know, uh, whoever wrote this episode knew that eventually in 2018, you and I would get around to shitting on it. And they just put the hottest loophole plot hole gems in there possible. <laughs> we could just 
punch this thing in the dick while having a pretty solid <laughs> uh, episode to, to go with. Like, I loved it. And great Janeway hair to boot, you know? How? Yeah. Uh, straight, uh, not only great Janeway hair, but, but, but good Janeway overall, which I always hunger for. But significant points off for just not pacing it right. It, it just wasn't paced well. Uh, they took way too long to set up the premise and not enough time exploring the paranoia. Maybe this is why Chakotay waited until last minute. Maybe he enjoyed being in this uh, astral projection form. And uh, the reason why the pacing is so slow and like, you know, he'd just come and, and fix everything with a note was, you know, you notice that we didn't hear anything out of the Delaney sisters this episode. It's true. I think you know where Chakotay was and who he was possessing with most of his time during this episode. Ooh, man, that's that's mm. too hot for TV right there. <laughs> At Jenny Delaney, she hungers. So that's yeah. a that's a match that's match match made in lustful heaven. The next episode is Faces. I recall this being uh, very interesting in terms of how they they decide to proceed with the dilemma so i uh, i'm looking forward to watching it again it's been a long time since i've seen this one but i'm, I'm interested to see uh see uh, how it measures up uh i'm feeling good we've had a, we've had a couple strong we've had a good run of uh strong episodes here so uh i'm looking forward to this one let's go ahead and close this out here with uh yet another frangy rule of acquisition and this one's going to be aimed at uh, our friend Chakotay, a wise man can hear profit in the wind because you know <laughs> that's true he, he's in the wind he, I, I don't whatever it works it works all right wind. i get it i'm there i'm with you I'm, that's metaphorically resonant peter and i appreciate the effort you put in clearly more effort than they put in the end of closing this goddamn episode out so. <laughs> And this will conclude VJ Please, a hateful voice of the Delta Quadrant. Please join us on Facebook as well as on our Facebook group, the VJ Please Trauma Support Group. You are all welcome to uh, be part of our discussions and our, our hot Voyager memes. And we'll uh, give you guys details on uh, when our, our live episode will happen exactly and, uh, you know, give you an opportunity to weigh in on topics and what you would like us to talk about as we reflect on the first season of Voyager, which is rapidly coming to a close for us here. So until then, I'm Joseph. Joe, there are cameras in sickbay. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I understand. There are cameras in sickbay. They knew I... Seska did it. Yes. <laughs> they knew because they watched it on the camera. It's like they could have cut 20 minutes out of that episode. I understand. All right. I'm Peter. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>